Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. It always excites me just to get into a, a brand new series at the beginning of a, a brand new year because it helps us begin to set a catalyst and launch us into what God's wanting us to do. If you remember in the last few years, we've talked about having vision. We've talked about having focus or refocusing. And this year, we're talking about dreaming again, learning to dream again. And so I don't know if you've lost a dream. I don't know if you're still hanging on to it. But listen, God has called us all to have a dream on the inside of our heart. And your dream is connected to my dream. Do you realize that? Come on, your dream is not apart from mine. If we're a part of the body of Christ, our dream is joint and knit together. Amen. And so I want to bring your attention here to Psalm chapter 126, starting in verse 1. Notice what God said concerning his people. It says, when the Lord brought back captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues were singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Amen. So when it comes to dreaming... There are some significant partners, if you will, that come along with having a dream. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that it said here, right in the very beginning, it says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, Zion is always significant of the church. And bringing back captivity means he brought them back to a place of freedom. Amen. So when you think about it, there has been a word that the Lord has given this church, and that is, is that the tide is turning. Amen. And it's turning in our favor. Well, when you think about the tide, the tide comes in and the tide goes out. And so that means if the tide is turning in our favor, that means that there have been some things that have been working against us or favor against us. And therefore, we haven't seen the things that we want. So therefore, there has been a tide that has been pulling away. But God says, I'm turning it and it's coming back. Amen. And when it comes back, it's bringing freedom, liberty, joy, peace, and you'll begin to dream again, and you'll be like those who dream. Amen. Now, what's significant about having a dream? What's significant about those who dream? The first thing that it says, those that dream, it says, their mouth was filled with laughter and their tongue with singing. Amen. People that dream laugh. People that dream have a smile on their face. People that dream have a song in their hearts. Amen. When's the last time that that described you? Where your countenance was just beaming because you had joy in your heart. Laughter in your voice. Singing in your heart. When was the last time that that described you? Now, you might say, that was me last night. And, yeah, the only reason I'm doing that is because I had a little help getting that way. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really genuinely having joy in the heart where you've got a song in your heart, where you've got singing, where you're laughing, and there's a smile on your face. People that dream have a specific countenance about them. Amen? 
Number two, it says that they gave glory to God. They partnered with God because this is what they said. The Lord has done great things for them and the Lord has done great things for us. So what does that mean? Once again, those that dream, dream in a partnership with God, recognizing God, you birthed this dream on the inside of me. And God, you have done good things for me and you've done good things for them. Why does it connect you and me together? Because our dream is connected. You can't be a lone ranger living life by yourself and fulfilling the desires and the dreams of your heart because we are connected. We are family. We are the body of Christ. And God says, listen, if you've not had joy, if you've not had countenance of laughter, if you've not had a song in your heart, then start to dream again. And it's connected with the family and the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. God wants us to dream again. And number three, it says this. It says, and we were glad. We were glad. We were happy. We had joy. Praise God. Do you remember that there was a time when Flint, Detroit, Michigan was a place that people wanted to be? Do you remember those days? I can remember as a kid thinking, wow, look at this place. And people decided, desired to come here because in Flint, people would say, great things are happening there. And when they came to this greater Flint area, they began to say, great things are happening to me. Because they came here for a better life. They came here because they recognized all the awesome and wonderful things that were taking place within a community like ours. Do you remember those days? Some of you might be too young to think, I don't ever remember looking like that. Yeah, it used to be a great place. It still is. Amen. Let me ask you this. How many of you are byproducts of those that immigrated to Michigan or Flint? When I say immigrated, I'm talking about maybe from another state. You, you know, got one here. Anybody else? You're a byproduct. Got a couple here? Yep, one in the back there. That's my father. Yeah, I am a byproduct of people that immigrated to Michigan. My grandfather lived in Arkansas, raising his family in Arkansas. To my knowledge, he tried his hand at farming and began to hear about the news of job opportunities, dreams coming true, having the ability and the stability to raise family in this greater Flint area and decided to raise up the roots of their family and get planted here. In Genesee County, in Michigan, and Flint. Why? Because there was a dream of a better life. And the dream came to pass. And so therefore, I am a byproduct, amen, of those that came to Michigan for a better life. Amen? People purpose to come here to establish roots for their families. Why? Because people dreamed. People had a dream of a better life. But there's some, some, some significant things that have changed because that was an older culture and the culture is shifting and changing right before our eyes. But with God, nothing's changed. Because with God, everything that God desires, everything about God's heart, everything about God's purpose 
is to establish and build his family. Amen? Everything that God desires is to build a loving family. And it's found within the context of the church. Once again, the church is not a corporation. The church is not a building. A church is a family of people. Amen. Don't you just love it when you hear people say, Well, I can have church out in the middle of the woods, sitting up against a tree, just having time with Jesus. Oh, you can talk and communicate with Jesus, but you can't do church out there. Because the church is the family connecting and collectively working together. Amen? And so... There has to be time, there has to be, or I should say, there is no time like the present to begin to establish and dream for the family again. But in order for us to dream again, we're going to have to fight again. Amen? There is no time like the present to fight for family. There is no time like the present to fight for your husband, for your wife, for your son, for your daughters. Amen. Because the Bible tells us that all hell is coming against the family. But the Bible tells us this. He says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Is he talking about a building? No, he's talking about the family. The gates of hell are coming. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the the family of God. The Bible says those that that build their home, build their family on the rock, the foundation of Christ, it says that the storms will come. The winds will blow. But it says that home, that family, they'll stand. Amen? It says no weapon that that the enemy forms against us shall prosper. Why? Because we build our home. We build our family Upon the rock. And God says it's time to dream again. It's time to believe that we can have the family that God has called us to have. Listen. The devil's waging war against the family of God. As I said, the scripture says that the gates of hell are coming to tear down the church. But the only way that the enemy can destroy the church is if he destroys the family. That's the only way. And so what are we doing? We're purposing to establish strong families. Fighting for the families of GVC. Fighting for the families of this community. Why? Because if the family will stand together, the church will stand together. I realize that today is a day that so many people are sleeping off last night, even within the church. But you chose to be here today. There's nothing greater than what you're doing right now. Amen? I said there's nothing greater than what you're doing right now. There's no weekend activities that are more important than what you're doing right now. There's no uh, ball game that is more important than what you're doing right now. And I realize that we live in a culture that doesn't believe in that old stuff anymore. But we've got to be wise and be 
aware of dangerous that dangerous distractions that pull us away from the house of God at critical times in our life. And this is a critical time within our life. God says, I want you to dream again. But he says, don't be ignorant of the enemy's tactics, his strategies. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a shift in some things that I'm going to present to you today. And so, don't let it be something that causes you to disconnect. But if you will, purpose to lean in to what I'm sharing with you. Because there is significance and a powerful truth behind the tactic of the enemy. And what I want to do for just a moment is I want to look at this shift in our culture that we see all around us, but we see it significantly within the church. And one of the things that we see is this group called the Millennials. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a group of people that have entered into this world, and they said it began around 1984. And it's one of those things that we sit around and we scratch our heads and and, and we question and we try to figure out this younger generation because the older generation just has a different way of thinking. And, and many, for many of us older generation people, we, we talk about it with great irritation almost. But listen, there is a younger generation that is raising themselves up and they are the leaders of the future. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got a front row of 20-somethings right here. This is the leadership of the next generation. But it's so easy for us to pass out and say, well, they don't think like I do. Because I am right. <laughs> right? I'm older. I've been there. I've done that. And they are this snot nose wet behind the ear. But listen... They are the next generation, and we as an older generation need to learn how to blend the dreams of the future and the past and merge them together. Amen. See, the thing about it is, is that when, you, when people begin to enter the age of their 40s or their 50s, they stop dreaming. They get to a place that says, well, if it's not come to pass by now, I guess I'm just going to settle. In fact, that generation of 40s and 50-year-olds, they start to look at the next generation for their children and their grandchildren. But God still has a dream on the inside of an older generation. And the younger generation needs to know how to dream again as well, along with the older generation. We've got to begin to work together, partner together, so that God can fulfill what He wants to do in the family of God. Amen? So let's look at that generation of millennials and again this is significant as to what i'm wanting to share with you tonight i'm not uh today i'm not looking to to pick on or to to single out the millennials i'm talking about a family of god working together and understanding one another but studies have shown us that there are four elements that have produced a breakdown within the lives of the millennial generation there's four things number one parenting two Technology, three, impatience, four, environment. Let me give you some of those details. Number one, concerning parenting, they've discovered that there has been a failure in the parenting styles of those that are raising millennials. Now, what has those parents done? 
They have not held accountable that younger generation. They've said this, you can have and be and do anything that you want to do. And therefore they go through life thinking, oh, well, praise the Lord. I can just be whatever. And everything is handed to me. They're entitled, right? They go to school. Come on, I remember this. I remember that as a child, I got in trouble. And if I got in trouble at school, I came home and got in trouble. I was raised in a generation that I got swats at school. If I got swats at school, I got home and I got swats. But we live in school systems now or live in a society where the school systems now, their hands are tied and they can't even begin to hold the children accountable. And so therefore they get in trouble and the parents come and say, what are you doing picking on my little Jimmy or Jenny? How dare you talk to them that way? And therefore, as a result, there is no accountability that is held for this younger generation. Come on, are you here this morning? Once again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm simply talking about just what we, what we see. As a result, we see a generation that they have went away from having the ability to win or to lose. Everybody wins because everybody participates. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I, I was raised where you had field and track day. And I loved it because I always liked getting the, 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 the first place ribbons. That's what my aim was. Last year was the first year in my kids' school system that they'd done away with it. Everybody just gets participation medals. Well, what's the use in even playing if I can't win? Because in my lifetime, we played until I won. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Even now, my wife says. That's right. So what happens They have this mentality that I get rewarded for whatever I do, regardless whether I do it right or do it not. Amen. And so they end up getting into the workplace, and their world is really rocked. Because they find out that the world don't revolve around them. They find out that they actually have to be accountable, show up on time, and that they're actually expected to produce. And if they don't produce... There's consequences. And it's really messing with the younger generation. Number two, we said this, that there is technology. How many of you know that we, real, that we live in a world, in a society, where there is social media, there is technology, there's cell phones. Every kid has a cell phone nowadays. My children are asking me, when can we get a cell phone? Never. <laughs> And we live in a culture where when we put things on Instagram and and on Twitter and on Facebook, we, we do it with a filter and we only put the good things on there. So then we have this false sense of security that everything is good. And then when we really realize that our life isn't as good as we present it, but everybody else's life looks really good, then we start getting depressed because what's wrong with me? Everybody else is doing so well. Right? We have this social media this technology and here's the thing about it here's what the studies have shown because we're raising a younger generation that is so involved in technology science shows us that when kids are introduced and and they are partaking of technology there is dopamine that is released in their brain And it is the feel-good sensors or the chemicals that tells them this is how you feel good. 
And so what they end up doing is they start looking to social media for a means of coping or feeling good because every time somebody says hello or somebody sends me a message or somebody likes what I do. Come on, don't tell me you've never looked at your little feed and counted how many people like my little things that I do. Oh, one more came in. Praise the Lord. And what's it do? It makes you feel good. It releases, releases dopamine. And therefore, it creates this chain effect where you become dependent upon technology. And this is the culture and the generation that is raised, being raised up right before our eyes. And so here's the thing. It's becoming the drug of choice for coping. But it's just an introduction. Isn't it interesting that there's age limits on alcohol, nicotine. But when it comes to social media, how young are they partaking with not having any ability to discern, to balance, to learn how to cope? But all they learn is that it makes me feel good. Are you here this morning? It gives a numbing effect of what I'm going through. But once again, the statistics are showing us this. That drug addiction, alcohol abuse is on the rise. Why? Because there's an entry-level drug to help them cope. But there comes a time when that no longer does the trick. Depression is at an all-time high. Suicide is at an all-time high. Why? Because in the midst of this technology era that is sucking our younger generation in, where they once had the ability to develop meaningful relationships with mom and dad, where they were the sounding board, where they were the ones that began to sculpt them and ship them and, and, and direct them in life. And then obviously they begin to get older and pull away from mom and dad. But then they would start to, to gravitate towards their peers and their friends. But nevertheless, they were establishing relationships to where they knew that if I had trouble in life, I could go to mom and dad. Or if I had trouble in life, I have relationships that I can go and I can begin to talk to. But because of technology, the younger generation is saying, I don't have any relationships of any value. I don't know how to communicate with people. I don't know how to have relationships. By all means, who wants to do this awkward, uncomfortable thing where I've got to actually talk to you face to face and hold a conversation? And so I can hide behind the screen of technology. Are you tracking with me this morning? The younger generation is not learning how to develop relationships. Number three, there's impatience. I'm talking about this younger generation. Because of technology, we have this inbred impatience about everything because obviously in this culture and this society, you can get everything right now. There's people in this room right now that doesn't know what it's like to not have a microwave. There's people in this room that don't know what it is to be stuck and tethered to a wall by a cord and talk to somebody. 
Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There is instant gratification. There is instant access to everything. Like I said, how many of us have young children, teenagers, or know of them where children have cell phones, where they have the ability to call somebody 24-7 at any time they want to? I remember growing up where we had a party line where you had to listen to the line first. Is anybody talking? Oh, it's my neighbor. Okay, I'll try back later. Right? Or the, or the days where we had to go down to the store or we had to, uh, you know, pack up in the car and go down to the market. Now all you have to do is go online, Amazon Prime, and say, you know what, want that, get it tomorrow. Right? Instant. Instant gratification. Well, I want to watch TV or, excuse me, I want to watch a movie. Well, I don't have to check the show times anymore. I don't have to fight with the crowds. I don't have to worry about uh, standing in the line for popcorn. I just go to my phone. I just go to my TV and I just order it and I watch it right there in the cover of my my home right now. Who wants to go through dating processes? Who wants to try to go meet somebody? Who wants to put the effort in? All I got to do is go to that little website or that little app and say, oh, I like you. Swipe to the left, swipe to the right. Woo, praise the Lord. Or, you know, I go on there and say, hey, I think I like the way you look. And then you find out they don't look like that at all. (laughs) Right? Everything is instant gratification right now. And our younger generation does not have the patience to wait. Are you here this morning? There's an app for everything For instant gratification right now, except meaningful relationships and purpose of life. And there's a young generation that is looking for purpose. In the church world and culture, I'm talking to ministers. And and as we start to talk about this younger generation, we find that the younger generation wants to be involved with something with purpose. I want to do something that has meaning in my life. But how many of you know that in order to discover purpose or do something that is worthwhile, it takes time. But you start talking to a younger generation. Well, you know what? I think I'm ready to move on. I think that's just not my thing anymore. Well, hi. Well, I've wanted this purpose in my life. So what they're saying is that I see the summit I see the reward, and that's what I want. But what a younger generation is failing to see is whether you run, whether you crawl, you still have to climb the mountain to get to the summit. There's work that's involved, there's time that's involved, and there's a generation that doesn't understand that. Once again, I'm not picking on a younger generation. I want us to see this because this is the generation that we're looking to reach. We've got to dream again and help them reach their dreams. Number four. Man, we got to move this baby along. Number four, we're only on page three and I got seven pages. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Number four, there's environment. What's the environment? The environment is that when I go out into the workplace, it's not about me. They don't care about me. All I am is a number. All they want me to do is perform. And if I don't perform, then I don't make somebody happy. And as a church... We've got to begin to bridge the gap and create environments to help a younger generation to find purpose. Here's the thing. The older generation has a dream that many of us have let go. But our dream and the young dream is the same. They've got to partner together. 
you get around a young person, it will stir things up on the inside of you. Like, oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. Come on, I can run five miles with you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no way. No. But they inspire us, don't they? The younger generation, I can do that. Cody said this to me last weekend. He says, I can train you. I'll make it cheap. And I look at him and I'm like, you know, I like the way he looks. I could like look that way. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> so has these things that we've talked about had an impact on the church? And I got to make this really quick. So bear with me as I just quickly read through these. We talked about failed parenting strategies Within our younger generation. How has that affected the church? Once again we've seen within the church. That there's this extreme grace. That you can do whatever you want to do. And there's no consequences. You can go to heaven no matter what. That you don't have to give up. Or give any effort towards anything. And you still get rewarded the same way. Or I don't have to be accountable. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to be accountable. I don't have to do anything. Number two, we said that there's a social media technology that has crept into the life of a younger generation. How has that impacted the church? The local church, we find, is no longer needed because, well, if anything, I go to church on my phone or there is no need. Because there is no developing of relationships anymore, why go to church and have to have awkward conversation? Have you noticed that in church there is no real true relationships, bonding time, family, community anymore in church? Why? Because, again, people are avoiding the awkwardness, becoming vulnerable with one another. Apart from the church, you cannot have a relationship with God. You can dispute that all day long. But I'm telling you, you cannot have a relationship with God outside of the local church. Therefore, outside of the local church, you won't pursue a relationship with God. You won't pursue that intimate time with Him. Because again, if I'm having difficulty developing relationships with people, how am I going to develop a relationship with God? It's impossible outside of the family of God. Outside of a relationship with God, without becoming vulnerable with God to truly experience love, joy, peace, purpose of life. And again, they'll look to other things for a quick fix. The kids are going to be coming in for communion here in just a moment, so bear with us. Number three, we said concerning impatience. How has that crept into the local church? The very foundation of faith is patience. Believing what is not tangible to the senses, but nevertheless believing that it will come to pass. Faith is now, but faith endures. And the Bible says, faith without works is dead. So therefore, it's going to require me to do something in order for my faith to actually begin to work. Number four, we said that there's the environment that has an influence. How has that affected the church? You come into the corporate church setting and people begin to simply feel like a number. Because there's the lack of involvement in relationships. I just come in and I exist and nobody cares. How many times have I heard that before? Well, everybody has their little cliques and they have their thing. Well, it's because they purpose to come together, hang out together, spend time together. Just get in the mix of them. Introduce yourself. Say, hi, I'm so-and-so. But once again, the environment around us tells us that I'm nothing more than a number. But church is meant... To be inclusive. 
Now be careful in, in hearing what I'm saying. When I say inclusive, that means that whoever comes in these doors, we purpose to love them. Black, white, Hispanic, male, female, single, divorced, straight or gay. Come on, we love those people. Are you hearing me? Because God desires for us to bring the dream out of every person that comes into the family of God. Our purpose is not to be judging, condemning. The Bible says that's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance or turn. The tide will turn in their life if we, the family of God, begin to help draw the dream out of those people that God has put in them. Amen. That's what our heart, what our desire, what our purpose is. Once again, Psalms 126 says this, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, the tide turning, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with singing. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. Let me share this with you. Team, worship team, I'm going to have you come up. Fellas, the ones that are helping us serve communion, once you get ready, please. In the Amplified Bible of Ephesians chapter 3, I want to read this to you. It's talking about the love of God, and it says in verse 20, it says, Now to him, who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. God's put a dream in generations. And it's time that an older generation partners up with a younger generation and we say, let's dream again. Not an older generation looking at a younger generation down our nose and saying, well, you snot-nosed thing, you, how dare you dream like that? Remember when you were young. Let them inspire us. And let's make the dream of God come to pass again. Amen. There's a dream that's before us. God needs us, the family of God, to engage the dream. Come on, let's believe God for big things this year. Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life